to the book of 3 John. That's right near Revelation. It's toward the back of the New Testament. We are concluding our series today. Several month series on 1st, 2nd, 3rd John called True Christianity, The Real Deal. Next week will be a standalone message and then in the month of August, I'm going I'm to really tear apart Acts 2, 41 to 47, and that new series will be called True Church, The Real Community. But today we conclude the series, True Christianity, The Real Deal. We've learned in 1 John, especially, signs of a true believer. That a true Christian is not somebody who just prays a sinner's prayer and thinks they're going to heaven, but uh, never changes. A true believer Somebody who repents of sin, puts their faith and trust in Christ, Holy Spirit comes inside of them, and they begin to change. They begin to see a transformation. If they sin, which they still do, they want to repent. They want to turn from it. They love others. They love God. And so these changes are indicators of a true believer. Those things don't make you a Christian, but if you're a true born-again child of God, you will see a change in your life. Last week, 2 John, Rich and I talked about the importance of truth and love. How many know that in our culture today, we need both truth and love? And one of the issues that was going on in 2 John is that they were receiving people into their homes that they should not receive. Because these traveling false teachers, some some of the Christians in the name of love were being a little too generous. And John says, look, you're actually supporting their ministry by having them in your home, don't welcome them in your home. Well, today it's the reverse problem. It's, it's, uh, not, it's the need to receive people that are true preachers of the gospel, show true hospitality, and there's three people in this book that we're going to learn from. So I'm calling this Lessons Learning from Three Men. So let's stand as I read the book of 3 John. It's just 18, 15 verses in the ESV. 3rd John, the elder to the beloved Gaius, here's the first guy, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to, you, to your truth as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, as a pastor, I can really identify with this verse. One of the greatest joys of my life is when I hear of people walking in the truth. People maybe that I haven't seen for years and, you know, they moved away and I catch up with them somehow and I hear that they're just walking with the Lord. And I just say, man, that's awesome. You're being consistent. This is why I have such a high regard for senior saints. I'm about to get into that category with gray hair, 61. But, you know, those people that have just walked with God for years. You know they've weathered some serious trials and hardships, but they've kept the faith. You know, and it's just, I can really identify with John's pastoral heart here. Also, great great sorrow when somebody falls away, doesn't continue to walk in the truth. Verse 5, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you'll do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So again, you're doing a great job, Gaius, to to, to support these workers. He's encouraging others to support them as they send them out. That's why we tithe 10% of our money to foreign missions, local missions. We want to be a part of this kind of hospitality 
I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. Oh, you know anybody like that? Let's just not nudge your neighbor or anything, okay? Uh, Or your spouse. Who likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. So he's not unwilling to call out people that were not walking with the Lord. There's a place for that. You've got to do it carefully. Talking wicked nonsense against us. The NIV says gossiping about us. So this Diotrephes guy was a bit of a control freak. You know anybody like that? Well, we'll move on. And not content with this, he refuses to welcome the brothers. So this guy was very controlling. And also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. This guy was a bad Indian chief, they call him in church growth literature. Controllers in churches that want to decide who's in and who's out, but they're not really an elder or in a position to do that. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Then the third guy, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Here's a guy with a really good reputation for the right reasons. And from the truth itself, we also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, his pastoral heart again, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Lord, anoint your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, how many today know that one of the problems we have in our culture is that of faithfulness? People say one thing, do another. They're not dependable. How many also know that one of the struggles we have in our culture today is selfishness and pride? Well, we're going to touch on both of those today from a good side and a bad side, kind of the flip side of the same coin, and we're going to learn from three people. Let's talk about first this Gaius dude. He was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. This topic of faithfulness is so relevant today. A lack of faithfulness is usually the reason that marriages break up. One or both parties are not faithful. Now again, there's biblical reasons for divorce, so don't hear me say there's not. But it's often one of the reasons marriages fail and families tear apart is a lack of faithfulness. Bosses that tell me frequently, I can't find a faithful worker. How many see so many help wanted signs today? Because businesses are struggling finding faithful employees. Faithfulness is an issue. People unreliable, but not Gaius. Look at how in this passage it mentions faithfulness. And this is now the NIV, just to give you a little different twist. Faithfulness to the truth continues to walk in the truth. Walking in the truth. Faithful in what you're doing for the brothers. Over and over it repeats that Gaius was a faithful man. He was steady. He was dependable. He was a man of his word. If he said it, you could count on it. He was probably the best worker in the church. He was probably the best and most reliable employee at his job. Gaius was faithful. Let me just say something to you young people today. Those of you that are beginning your career or you're maybe under 25, I want to give you some advice here so that you're not living in mommy's basement the rest of your life. I hear many business owners tell me of how much they appreciate somebody who's faithful. The person who gets to work on time, maybe even early. 
I believe early is on time, and on time is late. They're the person that goes the extra mile, doesn't have to be told what to do, doesn't call in sick when they're not really sick. I've had many bosses tell me, I will promote that person even if they're not as skilled. In other words, character is sometimes more important than skill. And one of the things I love about Chick-fil-A, I believe almost every owner-operator has worked in the kitchen to start off. They will promote you as you, dis- as you demonstrate faithfulness. And the owner-operator never forgets what it was like to work in the kitchen, and he went from the kitchen then to the cash register, and from the cash register to maybe some, some other area, and just promotion, promotion, promotion. Maybe they weren't the smartest. Maybe they weren't the most skilled. Maybe they didn't even have a college degree, but they were faithful. And young people, let me tell you something. One of the best ways to get a job and keep a job is be faithful. And don't demand $30 an hour when you don't deserve $30 an hour. You know, one of the issues today is that many people in their 20s expect to immediately get what their parents in their 60s worked for generations to get to. You don't start where your parents have worked all their life to get to. You work your way up. And Jesus said, he who is faithful in a little will become faithful in much. Gaius was that faithful man. God's Word talks a lot about faithfulness. First of all, God is a faithful God. Aren't you glad for that today? We've sung about that. The Bible says in Psalm 145, the faithfulness of God endures through all generations. I'm so glad today that God is a God who is faithful to His Word, who does what He says. He's dependable. You don't have to worry about Him being in a bad mood one day and treating you differently. Praise God, He's faithful. What He says He will do, all of His promises. Jonathan, are yes and amen. And you know what? Your mama might not have been faithful to you. Your daddy might have forsaken you. Your bosses might have forsaken you. Your teachers might have neglected you. God will never forsake you. He is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you always. And you can depend on Him no matter what. Praise God. We have a faithful God. And the Bible calls us to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2 said, It is required of a servant that he be found faithful. Galatians 5 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Don't we all want to hear those blessed words of Jesus? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Are you faithful? Can you be depended on? Are you that person that, man, if you say it, it's going to get done? Used to be this slogan, a man's word is his bond. He didn't have to even sign a contract generations past. Because if a man said it and shook hands, you could depend on it. Because character matters, and character still matters. Our culture may give people way too much grace on things, but what we say we are to do. Now, there's grace in all of this when you have a humble, repentant heart. God calls us to be faithful. I remember growing up, I wanted to quit trumpet lessons so bad. I wanted to quit that t-ball team so bad. I definitely, and my wife can attest, how bad I wanted to quit Greek in seminary. Taking it from D.A. Carson, two years worth of Greek in seven weeks. They called it suicide Greek for a reason. And I had about to ready to commit suicide. 
But I was raised that you follow through with what you commit yourself to. Matter of fact, when we would go camping, my dad would always say, we leave the campsite better than we found it. And it's so sad today that faithfulness is lacking. Like I said earlier, bosses having a hard time finding reliable employees. People making commitments. I mean, this, is, this blows me away. People will make a commitment. They'll literally sign up for something. But, and they're going to the event they have signed up for, they've committed to. And a friend calls and says, we're playing Frisbee golf at the park. Can you join us? Yeah! Turn the car around and head to where the latest thing that appealed to them and when they made a commitment to be there. And again, we welcome anybody that comes at any time on Sunday, so don't take this wrong. But being on time is really important. You see, when you show up late, and again, there's, there's reasons at times, and so there's, there's, there's an umbrella of grace here to an extent. But when, you, when you're late for something, you know what that says? That says, my time's more important than others. My time's more important than those who got there on time and were waiting on me to show up. Oh, that living hope might be of people that are faithful. And again, when we own up to our sin, we bring it to the cross, hallelujah, there's forgiveness and grace. Aren't you glad today that we're not on a performance trip with God? He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. And He forgives that He might change us. You see, He forgives us that He might transform us. He doesn't forgive us and say, well, no big deal, just go do it again and come back next time. No, it's forgiveness to bring about transformation. I love the quote, continuance is the test of reality. If something's real, and we've seen that in 1 John, if you have a real relationship with Jesus, you will continue. It's called the perseverance of the saints. We won't get into that doctrine, but I'm a big believer in the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. True believers will persevere to the end. They may stray, but they'll come back. Now, there's three areas in Gaius' life in this passage that we see as faithfulness. He was faithful to the truth, he was faithful to Jesus, and he was faithful to others. He's faithful to the truth. This word is repeated seven times in the ESV in this book. Seven times the word truth is mentioned. Circle it when you run across it in your Bible. He's faithful to the truth, and as we've learned in First and Second John, it's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the identity of Christ, fully God, fully man. Truth of His blood atonement. Truth of the Trinity. Truth of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. It's the essentials of the gospel. Gaius wasn't this person that was swayed by popular opinion. Or swayed by these false teachers. Or swayed by every wind and wave of doctrine the book of Timothy talks about. He had a conviction. You know the difference between a belief and a conviction? A belief is something you hold on to. A conviction is something that holds on to you. Do you have a conviction about the deity of Christ? Do you have a conviction about the humanity of Christ? Do you have a conviction about the blood atonement of Jesus? Do you have a conviction about the Trinity? Do you have a conviction about the Bible being the Word of God? Do you have a conviction about salvation by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone boast? Those convictions, my friends, you hold to. You're faithful to the truth. You don't let this, this, this teaching now that is called progressive Christianity. How many are familiar with progressive Christianity? Listen to Elisa Chan. No, Elisa. Mm. Anyway, te- text me this week. I'll give you the name. It's a great podcast. She, she just nails progressive Christianity. 
talks about all these trends in our culture today to, to change the gospel or to sway on different moral issues or to compromise on certain things that the Bible is dead clear on. Now, if the Bible's not clear on, tons of grace, tons of freedom. We talk here about unity in the, diversity in the, love in all things. What are the essentials? The essentials of the gospel. The essentials of salvation. We cannot budge on that. Gaius didn't. And it's so important that it even says here, if there's a false teacher, 2 John, you don't welcome him into your home because you're participating in his evil work. You know, in our culture, we got to include everybody. Inclusivity. You know, we can't say that something's wrong. And it's, 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 it's greasy truth today. Not according to the Bible. The Bible is clear on truth. Again, all of this we do in love. Speak the truth in, so unity in the essentials, allow diversity in the non-essentials, and exhibit love in all things. That's our motto here. That's what we seek to do here at Living Hope. He was also faithful to his walk with Jesus. He was steady. Were there ups and downs? Did he sin and fall occasionally? Of course, everybody does. That's part of sanctification. But this Gaius, man, he was like steady. He was consistent to Jesus. He didn't let emotions or circumstances sway his walk with Jesus. What about you? Are you consistent in your walk with Jesus? Or when things go bad, you tend to blame God, get mad at God, and kind of chunk God for a few weeks, or put Him in the closet for a while? Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The Bible gives us an honest assessment of our walk with God, that it involves trials and hardships and ups and downs and failures. But through it all, God is faithful. And through it all, God wants to sanctify you and mature you and draw you deeper to Him. Every trial is an opportunity to go deeper with God. Every trial, every hardship is an opportunity to go deeper with God, to taste and see that He is good. Lisa, hope you don't mind this. You bless my heart because you know, tragically loses her husband. And every time I talk to her, and I know it's hard, and I know it's not easy, I know it's lonely, but you always tell me something about how Jesus is faithful to you. And He's meeting you where you are. And it's a precious testimony. You know, God is shining through you in the midst of your grief because you're clinging to Him. And that's why the body of Christ is such a beautiful thing. Because when I look at you, and I, you know, it gives me hope and encouragement and challenges me that should I go through some tragic loss, I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> and that's what we should do in the body of Christ. By the way, cool to see you sitting over here today. I like your, I like your you know, variety, not just always in the same spot. And then he was faithful to others. Again, showing hospitality to these traveling preachers. He was that faithful member of the church. He didn't just show up when it was convenient. He was that reliable person that you could depend on. You know, this idea of faithfulness is really why we have de devoted 2022 to this goal of disciple, be one, make one. We believe that the Holy Spirit has kind of shown us that the, the remainder of 2022 is a, is, a, is a year of continually shoring up this discipleship thing. 
having mechanisms and ministries in place, especially the transformational discipleship, other ways in which people can be grounded to grow progressively in their walk with God, to shore that up. And and one of the pictures that we feel like he's been speaking to us about is get that nursery really in good shape because 2023, we believe, is a year of the harvest when we're going to see a lot of new believers born into the kingdom and we're going to become more, put more effort into evangelism in 2023. We believe that God wants to birth a lot of new babies. So guess what? When these babies get born, they need someone to disciple them. And we're going to be handing you somebody. Hey, can you disciple this person? Hey, this person just prayed to receive Christ. We need somebody to come alongside them. So 2022, continue to get the nursery ready because babies are coming. We better be faithful. So that's Gaius, a faithful man. Are you faithful? Can it be said of you that you're faithful to the truth, faithful to Jesus? Faithful to others, or maybe the Holy Spirit in His loving way, receive this, receive this, and He convicts. It's always because He loves you, and He wants to take you deeper. Maybe you're being convicted right now about some areas of your life where you're not being as faithful as God would want you. You're, you're, you're a bit, you're not reliable. You say one thing and do another. You're not a person of your word. If some areas of your life right now are coming to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. He does that because He loves you. And He wants you to develop and go deeper. So receive that. Make a note. Allow that conviction of where you may not be faithful, where you're not as dependable as God would want you, allow that to bring you today to repentance. Repentance is a wonderful thing. The Bible says that the kindness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Isn't that beautiful? The kindness of God. Not the harshness of God. Mm, Get your act together, you idiot. That's not God. That's not the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father says, I want you to see this area. It's not where I would like it to be. Let's work together. If you'll just repent of that and hand that over to me. I can change you in a way that you'll be so glad you repented. That's our God. That's our Father. He disciplines those whom He loves, Hebrews 12. All right, let's go to Diotrephes. He was a selfish man. Verse 9, Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Ooh, this is again in the NIV. Loves to be first. Wow. So sad, isn't it? Putting himself before God, putting himself before others. By the way, this, this, this is one word in the Greek, and it's made up of two words, philos, Philadelphia, brotherly love, and protos, you know, a prototype is a first. Isn't that cool? It's philos plus protos. It's loving to be first. Selfishness and pride is perhaps the root of all sin. And in the case of Diotrephes, it went on to say that he gossiped about others. Why did he do that? To make himself look good and others look bad? That's usually the reason somebody gossips or slanders. They want to make others look bad to make themselves look better. He didn't welcome others into the church. He was a control dude. He tried to kick people out when he was not in a position to do that. And he was 
trying to do it for the wrong reason. He was a control dude. He wanted his way. So sad. The Bible says a lot about pride. Proverbs 8 says, God hates pride and arrogance. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, pride comes before the fall. Romans 12 and 16 says, do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. James 4 and 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, we have enough opposed to us with the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? We don't need God opposed to us. And you get God opposed to you when you fall into pride and selfishness. Pride has led to many things, tragically, in the Bible. Pride was the reason that Lucifer fell from heaven as a good angel and became Satan. Because he sought the throne of God. Pride was at the root of that. Pride is what led to the first sin with Adam and Eve. Believing Satan instead of God's word. Doing what they wanted. Pride was at the reason Sodom and Gomorrah fell into gross sexual immorality. Pride is what led David to commit adultery with Bathsheba. He wanted his needs met. He didn't care that she was married to somebody else. And then, to make matters worse, he tries to cover it up by killing his, her husband Uriah. That was pride on David's part. Pride is what led Israel time and time again to drift from God. Wanting a king, and so they'd be like others. And God said, I can be your king. No, we want a king. So, the, okay, you'll get Saul. Pride is what led Jesus' disciples to say, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be sitting next to you, Jesus? I want to be that one. Pride is what led the Pharisees and the religious leaders to control others and put heavy yokes on their back. And Pride is even what led Ananias and Sapphira to withhold their offering and they were stricken dead. And I could give a lot of other examples. We see pride and selfishness being at the very core of most every sin. I remember when I wrestled with a call to be a pastor. In high school, I was voted the most likely to succeed. When I got to Georgia, I got a business degree, and my advisor once said to me, Dave, you could make a lot of money. And yet, God was calling me to be a pastor, and I knew it in my heart. But I wrestled. I wrestled with doing that which would kind of profit me, satisfy me, and lift me up. Or serve Jesus. And it just doesn't mean that surrendering is that everybody goes into full-time vocational ministry. Not at all. But for me, I was wrestling with that calling. And I know what that's like to have the flesh pull in this direction, but you know God is pulling in this direction. And unfortunately, and it's so tragic today, that pride and selfishness results in people going their own way and not ever being saved. Pride is the ultimate reason somebody would not yield their life to Christ and see their sin and see that Christ is the means by which we can be forgiven. No, pride says, no, I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm not going to yield to the creator of the universe. Pride and selfishness is the reason so many marriages are in trouble. The spouse, one or both, insisting on their own way. And if that spouse gets in the way of what I want, well, I'll make them pay for it. All the abuses that we see today, we have two different groups on this property today being trained in sexual abuse prevention, praise God. And I mean, it's heavy duty. It's not easy to watch this one-hour training that we do where a guy literally confesses to abusing over 1,200 children. 
There's a reason Jesus said it's better a millstone be hung around your neck and drowned in the sea than you cause a little one to stumble. Those who abuse, whether it's physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, you know what's at the core of that? It's pride. Selfishness. I want what I want. And I don't care what you say. And I'll groom you. And I'll manipulate you. And I'll look like the most perfect person in the church. So that everybody trusts me. But behind that, they do things that are tragic. And it's pride. And it's selfishness. And it's demonic. Pride is why children rebel against their parents. Pride is why people get caught in addictions. I gotta have my alcohol. I gotta have my drugs. I gotta have my sex. I gotta have my entertainment. I gotta have my hobby. And it becomes obsessive. And you hurt those that try to keep you from doing that, which is ultimately going to destroy your life. I was talking to a person this morning. Praise God, he's been set free from some addictions. Walking with the Lord, and he's so honest. And he goes, man, if I took one drink of alcohol, it is like digging the hole for my own grave. (laughs) He's aware that how quickly things could spiral south. And so he sets up boundaries so that he doesn't fall back into that trap. Pride and selfishness is behind materialism. I gotta have the latest. I gotta have the shiniest. I've got to impress my neighbors as being successful. So I'm gonna make sure, even after even if I have to borrow money to do it, to have the latest and the greatest and the shiniest. And it's materialism at the core. And it's pride and selfishness that causes sometimes people to say, you know, I know God's word says this on these issues, but man, I. I just can't risk being rejected by my friends and these arguments by the world seem convincing and so I'll just find a way to manipulate Scripture and not really stand for that. I want to bring to your attention two verses real quick. If you would just go to the left, a few books, to the book of 2 Timothy. I'm still wrestling with what God wants me to, what book of the Bible we're going to go through next. Kind of leaning toward 1 2 Timothy versus 2 Thessalonians. And here's one of the reasons, because just look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, and then we'll look at a verse in chapter 4, and tell me if this doesn't apply to our culture today big time. 2 Timothy 3, 7, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Wow. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. And then chapter 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So tragic. So tragic. So, beloved, it really boils down, does it not, to surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. (laughs) I mean, let's cut to the chase. 
The issue with pride and selfishness and diatrophies, wanting to be first, loving himself, loving being first, that pride, that selfishness, it basically says, I want to be in control. And it's a failure to submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Philippians 2 says we are to regard others as more important than ourselves. Romans 12 says we are to bring our bodies or our lives as living sacrifices because of the mercy of God. So in response to God's mercy, in response to the gospel, we present our lives as living sacrifices. We want to yield to Him. And I love that chapter 21 of of John where Peter's wrestling with lordship. And Jesus is saying, Peter, this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm going to lead you to some place and you're not going to want to go. I'm going to lead you to some hard places. And we know that Peter was crucified upside down. That's how he died a martyr's death. And then he looks at John and he says, well, Jesus, what about him? (laughs) He's trying to deflect attention. And I love what Jesus said. He says, Peter, what I do with him is my calling. You follow me. Ooh. I think Jesus is pointing to some of you today. He's saying, what I do with him or her, that's my calling. That's my choice. I'm sovereign over that. You follow me. Quit making excuses. Quit blaming this and that and the other. Quit saying it's because of that. Well, it's too hard. Or what? Jesus is calling you today and me today to a full surrender to his lordship. And beloved, the answer to this in all problems is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus. The most selfless man who has ever lived. Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who spoke the stars into existence who created the universe, who wove you together in your mother's womb, and yet was willing to be spit upon, rejected, flogged, beaten, crucified by the very people He created. And while on the cross, He said, forgive them. Everything Jesus did was selfless. His teaching, His miracles, His casting out demons, His being tired from discipling 12 men who are all over the map emotionally and in all other ways. But He did it all because He loves you. It was because of love that Jesus endured that suffering, dying a cruel death on the cross, taking your sin and mine, Being willing for three days to be separated from the Father and experience literal hell for you and me. Drinking the cup of wrath. That you and I might be reconciled. Redeemed. Forgiven. Declared righteous. Accepted. Loved. Brought into His family. And when the gospel takes root in your heart. When you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, and the Holy Spirit forgives you and takes root in your heart, that's what bursts a desire and a willingness to surrender. Because you're like, God, your will for me, it's good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. The best thing for David Holt is to be in the will of God. So if I fail to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, I'm cheating myself. So you want to do the best thing for you? Surrender to Jesus. Because full surrender is what leads to being fully in His destiny, which leads to the full experience of the abundant life, John 10.10. Full surrender is what leads to fulfilling your full destiny.
which is to experience the abundant life that he promised in John 10.10. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Will you surrender to him today? I believe that God is calling many of you today, and some of you online, to making a fresh and complete surrender to Jesus as never before. To just lay your life before Him and to say with John the Baptist in John 3, I must decrease, He must increase. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit begins to get stirred up in an amazing way. And Now, it's not always easy, but the result is an amazingly fruitful and joyful relationship with God. Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? And then the third person is Demetrius. And I say popular, but it's popular for the right reason. (laughs) In other words, well spoken of by everyone. He had a godly good reputation. (laughs) And notice in the NIV, the way this is handled in these verses, where it talks about well spoken of. Look at these paths. He's well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself. (laughs) The truth verifies that he's a godly person. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony, and that's what you say about somebody to others, your testimony. We've sung about that today. And so here was a man who had a good reputation. Perfect, of course not. But he met that qualification that's talked about for an elder in 1 Timothy 3. A good reputation with outsiders. What do others say about you? Better question is, what do those who know you best say about you? You know, many times when we are considering somebody for leadership here, we go to their spouse. (laughs) How are they really? (laughs) And when I hear, man, he is a godly man. He loves the Lord. When he fails, he admits it. He's humble and asks for forgiveness. And I'm like, awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome. And so we've looked at three people today. A faithful man, a selfish man, and a properly godly popular man. What's God saying to you today? What's the Lord speaking to you about today? Our worship team could go ahead and come up, please. Really prayed a lot about how to conclude our time today and I just, I just want to admonish you as your pastor to be as receptive and humble today as possible. I really believe God wants to bring some, some pretty significant breakthroughs. So we're going we're gonna to have three stations of prayer. We're just going to have some instrumental music so that there's plenty of opportunity for our prayer team to pray with people. So those of you on, your, on the prayer team, let me tell you where you're going to be. Those that need to receive Christ today. So there's some people I believe here that need to get saved. You need to repent of your sins, put your faith in Christ alone. Maybe the gospel today has finally made sense to you. It's not by works, it's not by religion, it's not by church attendance. It's by you putting your trust in what Jesus did at the cross. That's the only thing that can forgive you of your sins and make you right with God. Is the blood of Jesus, the work of Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And today you're like, I want to... I want to be saved. I want to receive Christ. I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. There's the prayer station with the supletas. 
So that's the place you go. And you can begin to go right now if you want. The second place is a place in which the issue of faithfulness really hits you today. That, that there's been a lack of faithfulness or there's an area of your life that that, that that issue of faithfulness has kind of spoken to you today. You're going to be over there near the American flag, just somewhere over in that area right over there. The third section today is full surrender, lordship, maybe pride and selfishness is keeping you from surrendering to Jesus. And I thought, how appropriate, right here at this near this baptismal. So those of you on the prayer team for lordship and full surrender, right here. You just come and you get prayer. You don't have to say much. You can just say something as simple as, I want to surrender fully to Jesus. Would you pray for me? Doesn't have to take that long. And then this altar right here, all this, this area here, is just for anybody who wants to just come and do your own business with God. It may not relate to these three. It may be something totally different. So this prayer team, listen, people come here, let's just leave them alone. Okay? This is just people in Jesus. If you come here, it's just for you to pray, do business with God on your own. Salvation. The faithfulness issue over near the flag. Full surrender. Lordship. Maybe that issue of pride and selfishness is the area. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you're here and we welcome you. Stir those that need to do some business with you today. Let there be breakthrough, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for your inner work in our lives. Thank you for the word. God, I pray today that you would grant, that's biblical, the book of Acts, that you would grant repentance and faith those that need to be saved, born again. God, I pray for those that are convicted of an area regarding their lack of faithfulness. Today, through the power of the Spirit, the fruit of faithfulness will begin to be produced in their life as they surrender that to you. Lord, those who need to yield afresh to Lordship, I believe there's many that do. Oh God, let today be a day of surrender. Lord, we want to say in our heart, those of you that can agree with me, God, I surrender. Lord, I yield to you. God, I give you my marriage. I give you my family. I give you my children. I give you my career. I give you my thoughts. I give you my emotions. I give you that area that is kind of that fatal flaw that I seem to regularly fall into. God, I give you that. Lord, I want to see victory. I give you that struggle with porn. I give you that struggle with sexual immorality. I give you that struggle with judging others. I give you that struggle of saying things about others inappropriately to others. Gossip, slander. God, I give you that. I give you how I exaggerate things. I give you that addiction. Oh, God, come. Holy Spirit, set the captives free today. as the Lord leads you, whether alone with God or to somebody on the prayer team. Don't hold back. You never know the breakthrough that can come through a one to two minute prayer. The power of prayer, the power of intercession 
Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Breakthrough awaits you today, but humility must precede breakthrough. Humility precedes breakthrough. Pride inhibits breakthrough. Lord, we invite you. Lord, you are welcome in this room. You may be led to go to somebody you know for prayer. So it may not be on the prayer team, but you know them, you trust them. You may want to go to them and just ask them to pray for you. The body being the body today.